You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Stephen Doucette Campbell is a psychotherapist who works with Shalane Mental Health Network. Like all of us, Stephen is confined to his home these days with his work and his family. That's what we talk about, how to live well in this extremely challenging time. Stephen offers some very helpful practical tips and ways we can look after ourselves and the people we love even better right now where we all find ourselves. This isn't a vacation, says Stephen. This is really stressful. My name is Karen Stiller. I agree. And I think you'll really benefit from this conversation. Stephen, you work with families and individuals dealing with complex trauma, according to your um, website. And so my first question for you is, can we understand having to isolate ourselves during this pandemic as a kind of trauma? Or is that overstating what we're going through? Yeah, I think there's so many different types of trauma, and that word can be used in in lots of different ways. But certainly, you know, everybody's going to have unique perspectives on what this time is is like for them and what that means. And I think it can definitely draw out stress, um, past stress of what people have experienced. But also just, I think, corporately, this is something we keep hearing this word unprecedented. But yeah, this is an unprecedented thing that we've experienced and things have gotten, you know, past the point of what we thought was, was probably possible. So I think there's, there's kind of a corporate um, trauma that we are experiencing as well. Um, I heard one study, I forget where it was, but stating that there may be, you know, signs of kind of post-traumatic stress throughout, you know, portions of the population after this. Uh, And I think it really depends on, on personally how we each deal with, with stress in our lives. Yeah. Is there, are there any generalizations that can be made about age groups or, um, I don't know, other situations in our lives that might make us more vulnerable to finding this extremely difficult? Or is it just a very individual thing? Like, for example, we have university aged children living with us. And I, I really worried about them. I thought this is going to be awful for them to be locked up with their you know, awful parents, (laughs) but they're actually, you know, we've had really bad moments, but we've also had really great moments where I've seen them really pulling through. So I realized I, I actually don't have this all figured out how people are going to respond. Yeah. I think it on one level really is individual. I think some of us just, you know, I, we talk about this idea of stress buckets and we all have kind of different sized stress buckets and the way we we handle and vent off stress and what's what's a stressful thing for one person obviously won't necessarily be uh, for someone else. But I do think a big factor, a lot of what I've been focusing on and thinking about the past month and beyond is just, yeah, different cross sections of the population and, and how this is affecting them in different ways. I mean, I'm a middle-aged, I guess, almost middle-aged man with, with uh, young kids. And so I have a different level of maybe even control in this situation of, you know, I can, I can continue to be working for the most part, thankfully, and, um, you know, still have a roof over my head that I can control those kind of things. But I think if you're living, yeah, university age, where suddenly you go from a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom and a lot of fun to suddenly being, you know, unexpectedly back home with, with parents. Um, yeah, that's a big stress for not only the university students, but also for the, the parents that, you know, maybe weren't ex- expecting that. Um, financially, I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a big thing too, not having that that freedom and that autonomy to be working or, or earning that money that they'd expected to be doing, especially if they'd just finished training. Um, but I'm even thinking of, 
you know, younger kids and how, if you think back to being a kid and how your perception of time is so much different back then. And so for, again, I'm looking at this through as, as a dad right now, you know, for me a month or so five weeks has, has not felt that long and yet it's a long time. But I think for, for kids right now, that has felt like a really, really long time. If you haven't seen your friends for, you know, five yeah. or six weeks now, that is incredibly sad. And I think there is a trauma there. I think as I see kids grieving that and trying to come to terms with that and, and not really being able to figure out exactly why that is and what, and what, and kind of the logic behind all of that. So that's just a couple examples. I mean, we could probably go through the, a lot of different portions of the population as far as people with unstable housing, people that are living in abusive situations, people living in, you know, even things like lodging homes or living in places where it's not family, it's not even friends. It's just a, a kind of a group of people that ended up living under the same roof and, and I think that naturally just really, really increases uh, tension when we have to live in close quarters with people that uh, don't that we don't necessarily get along with. Yeah, no, for sure. You you use the term stress bucket, which I should probably know exactly what you mean by that, but I I don't. But I sense mm -hmm. it could be helpful. I am picturing a bucket filled with stress. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just an idea, and I'm not even sure where it where it comes from. Again, it's something that I've used for for so long now. But if you if you do actually look on YouTube, there's a nice um, there's probably more than one, but just nice little videos that talk about that. It's just this idea that we all have different capacities for stress. I believe that can change over time for sure. Uh, I think, you know, again, my stress level, my ability to manage stress probably 15, 20 years ago, I think was much different than it is now multitasking with, with, you know, children and, and full-time work and animals and everything else that's going on. So I think, I think we can change that. Um, and that can go up and down depending on physical health and those things as well. But it's just this idea of we all have a different, you know, kind of a capacity or a stress level that we can, we can kind of manage and, when we start to kind of redline it, um, if you think of that analogy, when we start to feel that we're hitting that limit, when we're when we're feeling just overwhelmed, I think then it's time to say, okay, how do I vent off um, or kind of release or um, get rid of some of this because my bucket is brimming right now and I don't have any more room for empathy for others. I don't have any more room to take on new things that still need to keep being done. Um, and I think the, the really helpful part of the stress bucket analogy is when we look at the other people in our lives and how they're doing. And, you know, if, if you're, if your partner or your child is also at kind of that brimming stress bucket point um, and you're, you know, trying to, you know, be efficient or get something done um, or, or have some goal met uh, and everybody's kind of at that limit, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to do that if we force that. Well, even to have that vocabulary within your house right now, that shared understanding of what we mean by a stress bucket, say, I could see that helping, you know, I could, I could say to my kids and my husband, like, my bucket is really full, and yeah. I'm going to my bedroom, and you need to leave me alone for an hour or something. Yeah, like I think that. that's great. If, if we have that, some of that language, and just that, that helps with being, it's a real good visual, and people can kind of understand intuitively what that kind of means. And yeah, the challenge is when you're all at that top part and then stuff needs to get done and then it's to right. say, okay, how do we put our heads together and what do we need right now? Like a really needs, needs kind of focus thing of, okay, we just need a night to just crash. Like, I don't know if we, if that means we just order pizza or if it means that we just do hot dogs or something more easy. Right. 
But yeah. then there's other nights where it's like, oh, actually, you know, I'm feeling great. Let's put on some music and I'm going to, I'm going to make dinner kind of thing, depending on, on your situation again, or trying to make it more fun, even involving, there's times I don't want help if I'm cooking. And then there's times where I have a much higher threshold for stress. So I might even, you know, invite my kids to help, which sometimes can add to stress, of course. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course, no matter what age they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like this language of I need and maybe, you know, focusing on others, like what do you need? So we, I'm, I'm understanding and correct me, Stephen, but we should be maybe trying to practice saying those things out loud, which we might actually not usually do like for some of us it's hard to say i need this now or i need that and and but this is a time where maybe we can be using those muscles a little bit yeah i think so i think even if it's just by starting to have that language in our own heads first of all and just kind of saying okay i'm feeling you know i i guess yeah like i'm hitting my limit there's there was there's research now saying that right now with this pandemic and with social, social isolating, you know, that the stress of that, we, a lot of people tend to kind of put their head down and keep going. They tend to kind of uh, minimize that stress or say, well, you know, I don't have it as bad as somebody else. And I think in doing that, we invalidate uh, ourselves. We kind of almost shut that down saying, well, I should be able to do this. Like this shouldn't be that hard. I still have a roof over my head or whatever. I still have, you know, I'm, I'm able to pay the bills. Thankfully, like I'm, you know, it's not as good as usual, but things are okay. Um, but I think to really just say our, each of our perspectives is valid. And if, if this is hard, which it likely is even just on the fear level alone, um, of the unknown of where things go, you know, health wise, um, financially, a lot of other big questions in society right now of like, you know, what are, what are things going to look like, you know, once this is all done, there's a lot of unknowns and we don't do well when we don't have control. Um, so to be able to say, Hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually just stressed and maybe that's okay. And maybe my feelings here are actually trying to tell me something. They're kind of trying to tell me to slow down a little bit. And, and if we start to say, Hey, what do I need? Instead of not even going there, um, that can really take the pressure off and that can allow us to then kind of tune into those shock absorbers and ride those those waves of stress a little bit better rather than just like, Oh, stress is on. And, you know, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to go away. Stress usually comes in waves. Uh, Emotions come in waves. Yeah. And we see that if we, I, if I think back to times when I've been in grief, say I can definitely identify those waves. I mean, you can be weeping uh, one hour and the next you're seem to be okay for a while. And then you go back again. Yeah, and I think we worry in the in the bad times that and the difficult times we worry that we're never going to come out of it, and then in the good times we worry that it can't last. <laughs> and yeah. it's trying to trying to just be thankful and mindful in that moment. Like this, this is normal. This is what happens. Um, emotions come and go. This is how how we were created, and to see those emotions as as a strength um, rather than feeling out of control and and like they're a weakness. Okay. I think we often feel. Yeah, I I like that idea of trying to view those emotions as a strength because I think that's not my inclination. I mm-hmm. I think oh you know get a grip like <laughs> I talk yeah. to myself in that way as opposed to you know just maybe experiencing what I'm feeling. Yeah, and I think generally that that probably works for most of us. For the most 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 of the time, we can kind of truck along and 
we do have a pretty good amount of control over things. And so we don't get to that point very often where we do lose control really. And I think things like health, uh, things like death and loss and grief, um, those are the things where we don't have control. Um, but a lot of things we do. And so it, it, yeah, in this world today, we don't experience that, that edge point as often as I think people have in the past. And it is possible, uh, all those things you just listed off, which are some of the, you know, worst things that can happen in our lives, death, loss, you know, financial ruin, all, all of those things. It's possible they could be all happening to someone at the same time right now. Because absolutely, of, yeah, the situation we're in. So can you, uh, I, I'm maybe asking you to prescribe, <laughs> prescribe things. And I understand we, you know, we're having this odd conversation in this odd time. But what are some strategies we can use within the confines of our own home to take care of ourselves in, in practical ways. And, you know, even if it's like deep breathing, tell it, tell us some things we can try to do to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think that can range from broader to very, very kind of almost mechanical or very focused things like breathing. Um, I think routine is the thing that you, we keep hearing. And I think we are creatures of habit. And I think we, there is this idea of um, the, especially if our brains are operating at a lower capacity right now uh, because of stress and fear. I mean, the amygdala is firing that causes the amygdala is just a, a part of our brain that fires, which is when we feel fear and that um, causes our other capacities to shut down or, or slow down a little bit. So Less decisions is better if, if we don't have to make a lot of decisions right now. Um, you know, things, it sounds like silly little things, but it does take mental load off. Um, you know, planning your meal like ahead of time or having, if, you, if you're able to do that, you know, have your plan for the day um, as far as what you're going to be, especially even just making for dinner, um, plans on what you're going to maybe focus on accomplishing that day. I tend to kind of say, okay, what are the things that I would kind of need to do today? What are the things that I would really like to get done today? And, and what are the things that aren't as important? But if, if they start to get done, that's great. Just having kind of that structure, whether you write that down as a list, some people like that, or whether you just have that in the back of your brain, but having yeah a structure to that, um, looking at connection. So looking at the people in your life and how, how are you going to be um, not just, I think we sometimes look at it as like, what can they do for us or how is that going to help us? But also how are we going to support them that day? And there's this uh, book called The Outward Mindset where we, it's the idea of when any interaction we have with anyone, it's asking ourselves, how is this meaningful for them? And so sitting with, you know, a young child and doing a puzzle or, um, you know, reading a book with them or um, having a conversation with your, you know, your older adult child, those kind of things are really meaningful for, for them as much as they, they feed us as well. So building in those times, um, I think even just focusing on the basics of, of sleep, uh, focusing on, um, even just basic hygiene stuff, I think is just good. And most people probably keep that going, but I think when we're really struggling, you know, some days we don't, um, I think building in things, this, I think, first of all, too, to say, it's not doing all of these things. It's trying to trying to pick one or two of these things and just say, okay, I'm going to try and build that in. You know, things like prayer, um, and that doesn't need to be sitting down intentionally praying necessarily, but it can be just having those that prayerful 
kind of spirit as you go through the day and do things, or if you have a fear that pops up to kind of, you know, offer that to God. Um, yeah. Things like practicing gratitude, um, things like having fun. I think sitting down and whether it's playing games, whether it is kind of, you know, this idea of feeding your brain and then also feeding your body. So sometimes doing things that help you to think things through and, and play with ideas are, are really good. But other times it's just good to get outside and move and, and just feel your body, whether it's walking or whether it's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to be jogging or lifting weights or anything, but even if it's just kind of taking the dog out for a stroll for a few minutes, just to feel the cool air in the evening. Those are some, some other things that are really important to be doing right now. Yeah, that's so helpful. And um, I resonated immediately when you talked about, you know, a plan for your meal or um, for me, uh, I have been cooking and cleaning really well (laughs) two areas. And I, I, you know, day by day two, I realized, Oh, this is a little bit about control for me. Like I, these things I can control and they actually benefit my family at the same time. And so, you know, this is a good, good stream to be in. Yeah. It's so helpful. And that idea of the outward mindset, I, I really love that too, because, um, thinking about how we can sort of tend to the people that we are living with, you know, as much as they will allow us. I think um, my guess is as a parent um, of now adult children, it's maybe easier when they're younger, but for me to take cues from my older kids and, and understand when the door is open a crack, because I can see when those times are and, you know, step through and see, yeah, what can I, what can I offer you? I, I think that's a beautiful thought. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a great way to put it. I think fear really does shut down our ability to to have empathy for people. And so to reach out and have try and look at the world right now through, as you started out today with talking about how is this impacting all sorts of different people right now, that's a really different thought than like, what was me, this is really hard kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, there's just so many people that are going to be impacted in such profound ways after this. Um, one thing I'd say too, the, the idea of anger, um, cause I think anger is one that that's the explosive one that can come up in homes right now. And with mm-hmm. families, you know, we have these kind of generally we, you know, people truck through the day and things are okay, but every now and then there might be these blow ups, whether it's kids fighting, whether it's us yelling to get something done or all these things that, that can happen. Anger can be very, you know, come out in big, big behavior of yelling and, and, and things much worse than that even, but it can also just be this underlying thing that kind of is stewing and, and, that we never really say out loud, but we feel this irritableness. Um, and I think anger is also another real kind of harbinger. It's like to say, what is underneath that anger? Um, there's often this talk of, um, and this will probably be from a lot of people will be familiar with this, but the iceberg of anger and the the top 10% of the iceberg is what's peeking out the top and anger is kind of safe to show, or at least it feels less vulnerable to show but underneath that can be disappointment. It can just be, yeah, again, fear. It can be sadness. It can be loneliness. It can be a grieving. So sometimes when we see big anger or when we're experiencing it ourselves or when we're seeing other people in our lives showing that, um, it's a good time to kind of at least start to say to yourself, okay, what's underneath this? Like, what's going on here? Because this is, that was a big reaction for something that doesn't, I don't understand or I don't quite see the connection there. And that can start to help you have empathy for for yourself and for the other people in your in your life. Yeah, I I think that's so important <laughs> when when you were talking about that. What is underneath it? And I I I try to do that in my own life. And often for me, it is fear. Um, but how do we? Uh, 
if if we're dealing with someone who's angry, it probably doesn't help in that second to say, are you afraid? (laughs) (laughs) So how do we help our family members who may not, you know, maybe it's our university age kids who may not have been, they may not think about anger like that yet. Do we just wait and talk about it with them later? I think often it's waiting for, we talk about this idea of, uh, from dialectical behavior therapy, it's this idea of emotional mind and reasonable mind and a balance of those is kind of wise mind. And if somebody is in emotional mind, they're emotionally dysregulated, meaning there's just big ups and downs happening. And so to be able to, yeah, often I think give somebody space and time for that to come back down first. Um, and then, you know, when that happens and we do the same thing ourselves, I mean, there's that saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I think sometimes it might actually be okay to say, okay, if we're both really angry or we're all angry and maybe we actually just go to bed and tomorrow, tomorrow, maybe, well, this won't feel as intense because just physiologically our bodies aren't going to hold on to anger through a night's sleep. Um, It might take a long time to fall asleep, but if you're like me, but the next day, then we can say, okay, what was going on there? Let's take a look at this. And, and, and yeah, again, some, everybody's going to have a different level of capacity and ability and desire to be engaged in a conversation like that. Um, you know, one of my kids would love to do that. The other one would kind of plug their ears and leave. So yeah, it's trying yeah. to figure out how to do that in a way. I think reflective listening, just sitting with someone, even if that's just, you know, again, playing cards, any kind of way to be present with them, whether that is, you know, right now it's difficult, but they say with, with a lot of adolescents driving in the car is a good time to talk because it's not as you're not facing them right. Um, it, yeah, it's less intimidating. You're not sitting face to face. You're not there for the purpose of talking, you're driving somewhere. And so you can kind of say, Hey, how you doing? And they might give you something and they might not. But when it is this focus, let's sit down and talk this out. Typically a lot of people are going to find that really threatening and it's intimidating, especially kids. Um, and so, yeah, I think naturally just finding a space to be able to, to sit and be present. If a great profound talk comes out of that wonderful, but if it is just that you were present with them and it was a, it was a nice moment and it wasn't negative, Sometimes you don't even bring up the the thing that caused the blow up. Maybe it's just to just to reassure them, like I'm still here for you. We're fine. Um, yeah, it's, every family kind of manages those things a little bit differently too. Yeah, and you know, I really I think that's one of the beautiful things about families. You know that we can uh, we can hold those things at the same time. We can have a, a blowout you know, sometimes, and then time passes and we, you know, we still love each other. We can play cards, we can watch a movie or whatever and forgive each other. I mean, that is, there must be a lot of forgiveness happening now in a lot of homes, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and realizing too, some people are going to physiologically have experienced anger or other emotions in, in different ways. So some people will, you know, if you think of things like your heart pounding, feel that uh, muscle tension, you know, intense breathing, some of those things. Um, some people are going to experience that in, in bigger waves. They feel emotions bigger and it takes them, um, you know, sometimes longer to come down. Uh, actually, some people that experience it really big like that, it doesn't take them as long. They come down much more quickly. Whereas some people that, you know, you wouldn't know what's going on inside them, but it takes them, say, you know, three hours to come back down to, to kind of baseline where they're ready to talk. So, yeah, sometimes to say, I might be ready to, to, I might feel okay now, but this person might still be really worked up and it might not be a time to do that yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's great. A lot of grace. Grace is required at this time. Um, Stephen, as we wind up, um, what are, 
what is the silver lining? Is there a silver lining here for, um, you know, for families, for individuals even who are living through this time? What, what can we look for, for hope and encouragement? Yeah, I think I had, I was talking with a friend uh, a few days ago and he, um, he was saying how, you know, right now there's a lot of talk online and, and in the media sometimes, uh, I think more a few weeks ago when, when this was maybe starting, but people were saying things like, Oh, well I have lots of time now. So this is a good time to like learn a language or learn an instrument or, you know, there's all this, this talk of having extra time. And I think for a lot of people, that's not their experience at all. I think at the beginning we weren't sure what this was going to be. And now that the dust has settled a bit as, as we're kind of getting used to this new norm for now, um, people are, first of all, exhausted. A lot of people that I'm talking to, um, again, it really depends on your situation and, and, and what your responsibilities are, but especially for parents, I mean, losing a lot of the, the regular structures, uh, and infrastructure in place to, to, to kind of be a parent, you know, taking kids to the pool, taking kids out, um, even just having that break when kids are at school. Um, we've lost a lot of that. So I think, trying to, I guess there's this idea that with all that busyness, it feels at the beginning like, oh, we're going to have this wonderful quality family time and this is going to be good, but this isn't a vacation, right? And this is, this is really um, stressful and, and um, there's no clear end in sight right now. So I think that's kind of the fear scarcity view. And I think if we can look at this as what are some things that could be good that come out of this, what um, what are the things, the strengths that that we as a family and you know each of us as individuals can learn from this time? And I think a big thing is we all know that we do desire to be connected with the people in our lives. Um, I think that's you know almost the baseline thing that we all have is that idea of we want to be attached and we want to be connected. I think we're hardwired to to really love one another and and have that. Um, and so I think if we can look at ways of building on that and having that intentional time together and also recognizing that we can't do that all the time and that we do need to, to unplug and take those breaks from one another as well. But if, if we have this thing where this should be just a great time and that we should be connecting and, and um, I think that's going to be put more pressure on us if our expectations, our expectations are going to be um, that we, that we just manage this really well. I think it's okay to say, okay, I got to ride with the waves. I have to ride with the things that need to be done right now. I have to recognize that um, there's going to be rises in fear at different times and rises in, in conflict at times. And that that's inconvenient and it really gets in the way of, of life and it, it disrupts those, those things that we want. But I think if we can really say, okay, what are the things that we're going to learn from this? What are the ways that we can maybe grow as a family? What are the ways I can have that outward mindset where I can focus on, how to make this, um, you know, more something that my kids can endure in a way where it's less upsetting for them, where we can talk through some of their fears um, age appropriately on what's going on and how this is impacting them. Those are all going to be the strengths if we can kind of keep pace with one another and not kind of get scattered and feel like we're just juggling everything until this ends because we're going to get tired if we do that. Oh, Stephen, that is so helpful. Um, how can people find out about more about you and your work and agency online? Where can we direct them? Yeah, so we're I work for Shalem Mental Health Network, um, and so that people uh, struggle with the pronunciation, but it's S H A L E M 
Mental Health Network, if you Google that, we're in Hamilton, but we have a network of uh, counselors across Ontario and, and starting to be actually beyond that um, around Canada too. Um, so yeah, if you Google that, you can, you can find us, but we, if you call us and even if you don't live in the, you know, the GTA or the Hamilton area, um, you can, uh, reach out to our office. If you call us and you can Google that and, um, they can connect. What we do is connect people with counselors all around, around the province. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks very much, Karen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.